Episode 252 with my friend over here, John Porcel, Porcel Porcelli. Um, one of my, one of my, actually, you are in two of my favorite straight edge bands ever. Um, depending on the day, I'm not sure what's my favorite, depending on the day, but I think you the today edges out Judd's a little bit more. I don't know, but they're both incredible. Um, like I said, two of my favorite trade edge bands, Project X, uh, Violent Children, Young Republicans, Distance and Bold, Gorilla Biscuits, of course, Shelter, Never Surrender, uh, Last of the Famous, um, Schism Records and Fanzine with Alex from Gorilla Biscuits and Side by Side and Project X as well, War Illusion Fanzine. Um, of course, the True Till Death uh, clothing line, which is awesome, and so much, so much more. Um, so without further ado, one of my favorite guitarists and one of my, in my favorite bands, Straight Edge Bands, 
Porcelli. What's up, my man? I'm actually I'm actually doing a new band now to add to the list. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Tell me about it, bro. We're recording right now. It's coming out. It's it's coming out incredible. I'm really psyched about it. We're in the studio with uh with Tom Soares, who produced a million great hardcore records. He did Leeway, Romex ah. Best Wishes, he did Judge Bringing It Down, he did Shelter Mantra, did a bunch of agnostic front records. Um, he did sick, he did a sick of it all record work with those guys. I mean, he's, he's just incredible. Oh, so he's run the gamut. That, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're working with him and, uh, it's coming out really good. We don't have a name for the band yet, but, um, it's me and a, it's me and a couple of friends and this, it's a girl singer actually. It's sort of melodic hardcore, but it's got a girl singer. Okay. Really super interesting. It's coming out really good. I'm psyched for it. So look out for that later on, later on in the year, we're still kind of going back and forth about the name so okay. hard to freaking name a band yeah man it seems like everything is taken you want something original you want you don't want something so like like that was easy like you don't want that either yeah man that's that's exciting news bro is, is there any like label or anything like that revelation or well we're um recording right now we we're just about finished with with the we recorded in two sessions so we did the first session with six songs and then we're, and right now we're recording the second session of seven songs. So as soon as we get to some songs finalized and mixed, we're going to hit up some labels. So uh, we're not sure of the label yet. We're not sure of the band name, but that's coming out soon. I'm super psyched about that. Yeah. And also um, we're planning on doing some new shelter material this year also. Nice. So hopefully a whole brand new shelter record or at least an EP. Okay. It's going to be, gonna be uh, recorded and should be out this year too. So, you know, I'm still, still going, man. Still going. Yeah, you, you, you're busy, man. You're staying busy. Especially, I mean, you have a yoga practice as well, don't you? Yeah. Um, I should mention that too. If, uh, if, you know, I teach yoga online every single day. Right. It's really cool. I got a bunch of punk rockers and hardcore people on there. A bunch of straight edge kids. Yeah. So uh, a bunch of regular people that have never heard of hardcore before ever. They're just like yogis that, sure. that happen to you know, take my class. You know, I'm, I'll mention something about stage diving in class. They'll be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's sort, of a, it's sort of a mixed bag between, you know, punk rockers and normal, just everyday namaste type yogi yeah. people. But if you want to, you know, if you've never taken yoga before or if you're into yoga and you want to um, practice with me, I do a class every single day except for Sundays, so Monday through Saturday, uh, 10 a.m. New York time. Okay. It goes from 10 to 11. It's a super strong physical class, just getting it out there. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not easy. You know, you'll definitely sweat. It's hard. It's a good workout. Yeah. But it's, it's fun, and you don't have to be crazy advanced in yoga to do it. Um, I have some beginners and then I have some people that are like super advanced in yoga, you know, and uh, I'll do harder stuff, but always give easier ways, to, easier versions of the hard stuff to do. And it's just a really super fun, cool class, you know, and there's a, there's um, some Krishna stuff mixed in there. Okay. I'll do a little Krishna talk at the beginning. We'll do a little bit of chanting at the beginning. And it's great. It's like, yeah. uh I've seen I've seen some of the pictures that you post online of you. You do crazy like that on your fingertips and all this crap. I'm like, yeah, like how does it? But I think in my head, like, how does he do that? But obviously, you've been doing this stuff for like decades, so yeah, I get practice, it. You man. Know I mean? It's practice, of course. 
you, you, you get good at what you practice. You do something for 20 years and, you know, start yeah. to uh, get good at stuff. Yeah, man. So but, now- uh, if any, well, if anybody wants to take that class with me, mm-hmm. um, I'm working on a website now where you can sign up online. But um, right now, the best way to do it is just go to my Instagram, which is the hardcore yogi. And shoot me a DM. I have a little thing I can copy and paste to you. It's got all the information about how you can take the class. Um, it's only 10 bucks. The price is going to go up soon once I get the website going. Yeah. So super cheap, 10 bucks. You can you can practice with me. And like I said, it's you know, we got a lot of uh punk rockers, indie rockers, yeah. hardcore, straight edge people on there. And it's uh it, it, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, um, that, that's so, awesome, man. That's great. You know, it's a it's a big part of you know, I've ever since you know I was a kid and ever since you know, I was in Youth Today and stuff. I always had this thing where I wanted to have a mission in life. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I like to be part of something that's bigger than myself. I like to be part of a, a team. I like to be doing stuff that makes the world a healthier, more inspired place. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's part of my thing these days, too, is I, is I do it through yoga. So um, I'm really excited about that if anybody wants to practice. And I'm probably going to I'm probably going to add an earlier class, too, if anybody wants to practice like really early in the morning with me. Yeah. So, so that's coming up too. all the, all the information is going to be posted on my Instagram, which is the hardcore yogi. So check that out. Awesome. That, that's, that's also a lot of, a lot of people never find that purpose. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't find that. And especially like, I mean, I'll just say as, as like a punk rock kid or a hardcore kid or whatever, you know, everybody at this point knows where that stuff stems from for the most part, street kids, you know, and, and, you know, there's got to be something going on at home if you're 13 years old and you're going from point A on trains and all this stuff to go to a hardcore matinee at CBGB's. You know what I mean? Like there's something there's something, you know, going on there. And and uh, like a lot of pe- a lot of people, unfortunately, I feel I mean, I could be completely wrong. We're just talking out of my ass here. But a lot of people don't find that. Positive. Path that drives them to inspire people and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Did I just butcher what I'm trying to think in my head? You know what I mean? You know what's funny? If you're part of that, if you've ever been part of a scene like that, you know, like New York hardcore. Yeah. I I know exactly what you're saying. Right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You know, maybe some people that have never had that experience, maybe they don't get it, but you know, when I was young and, and coming up and I was going to CBGBs and, you know, that was such a huge part of my life, that New York hardcore kind of family. And, you know, we just kind of stumbled into it, but it taught us a lot about life. And, you know, and, you know, one of the things about hardcore was it was super inspirational. You know what I mean? Most people don't have an avenue that they can turn to where you know, they're, they're being exposed to ideas that just inspire your life and, and inspire you to make like changes in your life. Like most people, you know, they don't have that. You know, we, we had that on a regular basis. I remember going to see in the really early days, like the very first show I saw at CBGB's was agnostic front. John Watson was, a, was it John Watson was still singing? No, or no? no, it was Roger. Okay. It was, it was Roger. I never saw the John Watson era. But it was, I think it was either before United Blood was out or maybe, I think United Blood was out at that point, but it had really like just come out. Okay. 
And so we're talking like 1981, 82 at the latest. Uh, no, this was probably like 1983, maybe. Okay, so maybe was, right was, before Victim in Pain. In eighty young, in eighty one, I was still pretty young. So okay. you know, I, I started going to you know because I lived in Westchester. I didn't live in the city, so it was kind of a thing. I had to take the train down and you know all that stuff. Sure. So I, I started you know once I heard oh my god there's matinees at CBGBs. I was like this is so great. I can go down there. The show starts at two o'clock. I'll be back you know because I had to be at school Monday morning in you know, yeah. high school. So I couldn't be going to New York City till two o'clock in the morning. Um, so once I heard about matinees, I was like, this is, this is great. And so the first matinee I went to was agnostic front and you, you would hear all this stuff about agnostic front. You know, you'd hear they're Nazis, they're skinheads, you know, they're, yeah. What you know? You hear all you read Maximum Rock and Roll. You hear a bunch of like. Oh, shit. Maximum Rock and Roll was like you can't go by that. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you, I walked into CBGBs, and it was the first time I saw AF. And Roger gets up on stage, and he and he was just like, "Here we are. We're all a bunch of misfits. We're all a bunch of outsiders. We didn't fit in society. That's what brought us down here. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white." I don't care if you have a mohawk. I don't care if you have a skinhead. Right. We're here. We should unite. We're all one big family here. And, you know, he really put out a vibe that, you know what? And it's coming from a Cuban man. Exactly. He's you, not know? Even, you know, he's he. they're saying he's white. Right. He's not even white. I know. <laughs> it's you know? crazy. So it's, you know, here I am. I'm a 15 year old kid, maybe 16 year old kid. I think I was 15 at that first show and I'm hearing this on stage and it's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's the power of community. It's the power of like finding your tribe. You know what I mean? Finding like mind, finding like-minded people that you can relate to and that are uplifting and they're inspiring and they're moving your life in a new direction. A lot of people don't have that. Like right. a lot of people just never found their tribe. We were lucky that we just kind of stumbled into this thing that was a huge tribe, you know? Huge tribe. So there were some people you had to kind of avoid because there was always the negative uh, handful, you know, it comes dude, to the territory. Dude, of course. That was <laughs> not everybody fun. was all sunshine and uplifting, you know, but I'm not I'm not I'm not saying like <laughs> everything, you know, and, and even the stuff they talked about, it wasn't all sunshine. It was about like real stuff, like you'd see the curl mags. Sure. And it was about like the hard, you know, the, the hardness of life. Now you got to, even with that, it was like life's hard. So you got to be hard too. You know, there was something like yeah. a silver lining to it. You're going through some stuff, you know, uh, you know, rise above it, transcend it. Yeah. So all these little bands that had little different flavors of, in my eyes was a pretty positive message. Of course, you know, you have, the nihilistics. Hey, uh-huh. go see them and everything. Ron Rancid, how you doing, buddy? Oh my god! You know, but I think by and large, you know, every band had a little something to say that could get you through hard times, or you know, inspired you to do something, or inspired you to change. Oh, and hundred percent. There's so many songs that it's just like you almost you get that feeling. You almost get goosebumps. Like I just I'm get goosebumps. Like. There's just certain songs that it's almost like you feel like that that band, whatever band it might be, wrote that song specifically for you. Everything about it, lyrics at a certain time in your life, you're going through certain things. And it's just 
even certain moments, even as an adult, like I was going through something a few years back. It was a messy divorce and this and that. And there was so many like moving parts to it. And I think I just put like my, my thing on shuffle or something. And it was just so weird. It's like the mad ball song. Look my way came on and I'm listening to Freddie and every single lyric. I'm just like, I feel like he wrote that for me in this moment. It's perfect. And you get yeah. those. It's just, it's an incredible feeling that some people who have no idea what even hardcore is will never understand. But like you and me, we completely get it. You know, hundred percent. You know, you know, even for me, like, you know, I grew up in Westchester, upper middle-class high school, all preppy kids, all the white kids. Yeah. We, we barely had it. We, we barely had any black kids in our school. Maybe like a handful. We barely had any Asian kids in the school. We had no Mexican kids in the school. Right. It was all the whitest white bread school that you can imagine. You know, it's like the freaking, it's like, it's like one of those pretty in pink kind of yeah. movies. Beverly Hills 90210 deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, so in, in my, you know, in that type of environment where you're not exposed to different kinds of, you know, other races and other nationalities, racism was a huge thing in my school. It was, it was, it was almost like every kid was racist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every kid's throwing out the N word and this and that. And, you know, because I was from the hardcore scene, I kind of had this idea that that's wrong. You yeah. know, every, yeah. all my other, all my other friends, you know, they were, you know, I wouldn't say they were like, you know, militantly racist or anything like that, but it was just part of the culture that, you know, yeah. You just kind of threw around, you threw around racist words and it wasn't a big deal. You know right. what I mean? Sure. And, you know, when I went into CBGB's and I saw Agnostic Front and just like you said, like some songs, they just hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And it just sets you straight on your on your path in life. Like when I heard United and Strong, uh, Blacks and Whites, United and Strong, Punks and Skins, it was just skin. like, it was just like, yeah. Racism is wrong. Like I don't want right, to be. I don't want to be racist. I don't right. care if I, I don't care if my friends and you know my relatives are throwing around this word and that word. That's just not going to be part of my life anymore. Right. And you know, it's just like little things like that. You know, a chorus of a song. Like it's you know the, those shows were so powerful. And the music was so intense. A message was was you know shouted in such a forceful way. Man, it changed my life. Of you know course, I mean? absolutely. When you walked into CBs and you saw AF for that first time, that, that's a pivotal point in your life, 100%. It really was. Yes. And, and I got to say, for all the flack that Agnostic Front took for being this, for being that, those shows were super inspiring. They were super positive. They yeah. were super uplifting. It wasn't like they were anti-racist. Right. Shows. I don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. It's just people just run off with this nonsensical thing and it just grows. And for some reason it becomes a thing. I don't understand. It's like, I remember my pivotal, see, I, when I was younger, I grew up listening to like a lot. My, I have an older sister, so I'm 46. So I was born in 75. So I have a, a, a sister that's six years older than me. And it was around the time when like all the hair metal and stuff was out. So my sister's listening to all that Bon Jovi and you know, poison. So that was like on in the background, but I'm like, I don't remember. It was like a high school friend of mine and he handed me like Metallica ride the lightning. 
And then I went from like Ride the Lightning. And then of course I went to the Testament and then I went to Exodus. I went to Slayer and then I found Suicidal Tendencies. And then Suicidal Tendencies was playing Lemoore's in Brooklyn. And the lineup was White Zombie, Leeway, Suicidal Tendencies. I went to go see Suicidal. At that point, White Zombie was like unheard of pretty much. They weren't signed to a major label. It was before the Geffen records and all the everything else. Yeah, they were on Caroline. Yes, they were on Caroline. It was, yeah, it was like the Make Them Die Slowly album or something like that. It's funny because, you know, Youth Today was on Caroline. So I used to go into their office a lot and I used to see Rob Zombie all the time. Yeah, he looked like, like a homeless, dirty dude. Like he looks like a homeless yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was like, who is this dude? Yeah. But, but then White Zombie like blew up. It was I was like, wow, that dude from Caroline. Yeah. Walked around looking like the homeless guys. Now a huge rock star. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny because I remember I was outside of Lemoore's that night and they pulled up in like a white beat up van and they're taking out their own stuff. And Rob had to show tell tell the guy, you know, I'm with the band. And you know what I mean? It's just like, and then fast forward to like three or four, three or four years later, they're all over MTV. It's like, like that was a big, you know, in a small amount of time, they got huge. So I, I had heard of leeway. I didn't ever hear them and I seen their name a million times. And I'm, like I said, I'm mad for suicidal because that was the band. I, I loved them. And I was there to see them. They're from California. They're playing my club in Brooklyn. This is awesome. And I see, uh, who was it? Uh, AJ walks on the stage. He just looks like a regular a guy with a Yankee hat on jeans, you know, normal guy that, you know, and, you know, next thing you know, they break out into rise and fall. And, dun, 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 and, that, and that was my, because Eddie wasn't even out on the stage yet. And they broke into that. And I'm standing, I don't know if you remember Lamar's, but they had like those, a few like stadium seats off to the left side of the stage. They were like steps, like carpeted steps. So I'm standing like on the second one. So I can see like the whole crowd, like from above a, a little bit. And they broke into that. And once they kicked into it, I saw Lamar's erupt into something that I never witnessed person, like in person. And I'm just like, what do we have here? And then I see Eddie come out. He has this little guy. He's like 110 pounds. He has like knee pads on. I'm like, and he can't, he's like a regular guy. And the next day I went to a local little tape and CD store. It was called Zero CD Seller in Canarsie in Brooklyn. And I walked in there and I bought Born to Expire. And then he was like, well, if you like this, you'll like this. And he gave me um, Agnostic Front, Liberty and Justice. So it was those two records were like the perfect segue from metal into because those are two very crossover records into hardcore. And then I started studying my lessons and then I went in reverse. I went from Liberty and Justice to Cause for Alarm back to Victim in Pain to know where this stuff came from. And then my friend Sal Menino, I don't even know where he is anymore. I think last thing he was in Arizona or something. He gave me a tape, like 120 minute, like Max L tape. And it was break down the walls. We're not in this alone. And the disengaged seven inch all on one cassette tape. And I wore that thing out, dude. 
that was like, holy shit. Man, those 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 mixtapes that people made for you. Mixtapes were the best. Make me a mixtape. I would give out mix. I would make mixtapes to my friends. It was it was fun shit, man. There's no internet. You did these things. I, I remember uh, Mark Ryan when he from Super Touch. He was in that band Death Before Dishonor, and when we moved to New York, we were friends with him, and he made me and Ray a mixtape. And it had a bunch of Chromag songs on it before the Chromag's demo even came out. But it was songs from the Chromag's demo that they came out before Age of Quarrel. They came out with the Age of Quarrel cassette. Yes. Which is a whole bunch of those songs from Age of Quarrel. To me, that demo is even better than the record. It yes. was something just so raw and so raw. So good. And Blood Clot's vocals were so raw, but there's something. There was something really just like powerful about that demo. Yeah. And man, like you said, I played that tape. Me and Capo used to fight over that tape. I want that tape. No, I want that tape. I'm going <laughs> skating today. I need that tape. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And man, we used to listen to those like those Chromex songs over and over again. I remember um, my friend had a ramp and I was learning how to drop in on the ramp. You know what dropping in is? Yes. You get on the top and then you step in. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard to learn that you're wiping out like and it's a bad wipeout, too. But oh, yeah. Hell out. yeah. <laughs> I'm like stepping on the board and I'm wiping out. So I was like, man, I need some inspiration for this. So I, I got that tape and I played malfunction Oof. over and over and over again. And it just got me so psyched up and got me so much courage. And then finally, I dropped in for the first time to Chromex malfunction. Nice. And you'll, never, you'll, you'll never forget that ever. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those were great. I learned about so much music just from people passing around, you know, cassettes of stuff Absol that they like. Absolutely. And the whole, even like when you, when you actually bought a tape, that's, that's how we learned looking at thank you lists, you know, every band had like, thanks, like all the, and they, they would list all the bands that they were on tour with. So it's like, okay, agnostic front went on tour with this person. And then you look and I would save up my allowance and I would go and I'd be like, because obviously there's no internet. So you don't know. There's no really MTV yet. Plus these bands aren't on MTV. So you take a shot. Sometimes it's something that eh, is not, uh, not really my thing. And sometimes you found gems that stick with you for the rest of your life, all because of thank you lists. If I had a record that I liked, I would look at the thank you list and see what bands they thanked. And I would buy every single record from that band. Absolutely. And most of the times, you know, you're getting good stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out the SSD record. And they're thinking like, you know, DYS and Jerry's Kids, you know, all those Boston bands. I went out and bought all those records. Yeah. They were, inc they were incredible. Yeah, man. The days without the internet, it actually gave you, if you had like that, that drive to find music, if you were passionate about this music, you went out and you, you seeked it out and you spent money and took a risk. And sometimes like when you were a kid, you didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a job yet. I would buy something. And even if I didn't like it, I would really try to listen to it a lot. So it would grow on me. So I feel like I didn't waste my like $8. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was the worst when you took a chance on a record because you thought the cover was cool. Yeah, I see what my artwork so much. <laughs> yeah, and then you take it home and like, ah, uh, I should have bought that Discharge record. <laughs> exactly, man. That's uh, but yeah, it was really cool that back then it was like a treasure hunt. You know, it you had was. to like go out and find all the good music. 
Yeah, man. Word of mouth, like you just, your friends, recommendations. You go to your friend's house and they have this tape and you listen, oh, what's that? That's how I got turned on to Shiatera was my friend Sal. He put it in and I heard Cup of Joe for the first time. I'm like, this guy sounds angry. Like, and then I went out and I saw him buying Shiatera stuff. Like, it's good. It's things like that you'll never forget, man. Lasting yeah, memories. Good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it taught, you know, that whole scene, it taught me like a really, a lot of really good life lessons, like um, the power of community, the power of finding like-minded people, you know, it's so important. People don't have community anymore. People are so, you know, even though nowadays we have the internet and we have like fake connection, oh, and you have, yeah. you have, you know, a thousand friends on Instagram or Facebook, but you don't have friends. No. You know what I mean? There's something, there's, there's something about finding your tribe and your people and, you know, coming together with them and, you know, face to face, person to person. That's an important lesson, man. It's like people, people need more of that these days. A hundred percent. But then people are so stuck. Like, like I found my, and I keep my circle super small. You know what I mean? But I have a, a million acquaintances. So, but it's like younger kids, you know, it's like, I have a 12 year old daughter. She does have her little, she found like her for the time being, I mean, she's 12, but she, and she lives in Jersey, but she found her little clique of friends. And, but it's like, they're all still just stuck. They're stuck. And, and, and it matters to them so much. This social media stuff, it like, it really has an impact on them in a, in a, in a way that I can't, identify with really you know what i mean because i wasn't raised that way you know i i had atari and i played it for a half hour and then i was done you know what i mean like kids are sitting there gaming and all this stuff and it's just like it's not the real world and it's a shame and i'm, I'm not knocking it listen have at it that's that's you know that's what you choose to do but i don't know there's there's something lacking with going outside and having physical personal interactions with people and and not just texting back and forth or messaging someone on Instagram. It's like, go out and have normal human interaction. It's only natural. And it's very unnatural, all this social media stuff. Yeah. It, it seems weird to me too. It's very I mean, weird. It, it's it, great it, to it, promote, it, to promote something like, like my Instagram, my Instagram page got hacked. My original one, like 5,000 followers got hacked for like 12 hours. I'll be honest. I was a little pissed off. I'm like, I had this page for like six years. No problem. And I watched it happen. Within six seconds, my page got taken over by somebody else. I'm like, so that's why it's, I only have a few people on the new one. But, you know, but then I got over it really quickly. I'm like, I do this for fun. I don't make a dime off of doing the podcast. And, and my Instagram is nothing. There's no, there's no pictures of me. It's all just the flyers I make and stuff. It's just to promote the podcast. So for promotional reasons, yeah, because unfortunately, again, there's nobody outside of CBGB's handing out flyers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It, it's, it, it's weird, you know. I guess the world just changes and you got to change with it. I remember when yeah. I was a kid and I would call my friends on the phone. Yeah. My dad, my dad would say, what the hell are you doing talking to your friends on the phone? It's so impersonal. Put down the phone and go over to the house and, and speak to them in person. Why are you always on the phone? Yeah. yeah to him, the phone was like social media. Of course. Uh, and there was yeah, always the yeah. phone bill, too, back in the day. Oh, yeah. He didn't like that either. <laughs> You're running out my phone, phone bill. 
Making phone calls was expensive back then. I yeah, long, like, there was long distance phone calls, which that would send my mother over to friggin' deep end. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like a hundred bucks. Yeah, to make one phone call. Crazy, but uh, yeah, it, it it is strange to me. I think there, you know, you can say there's good sides, but there's also downsides to it. It's it's a real, yeah, it's a slippery it's a conundrum. It is, yeah, yeah, dude. So now what was when, when I guess, well, well I'll, I'll let you speak. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to uh, assume here, but um, how did you wind up connecting with whoever was in the first band that you ever formed? Or well, first band that you were ever in, even if you didn't release anything, whatever it might've been, just making noise in a garage or whatever. The first band I was in was called Young Republicans. Right. Um, I figured that. You know, I, I always wanted to be in a band and my dad bought me a guitar for Christmas. I think I was 14. And then I started taking lessons. I, I took lessons for a few months. It's funny because, I, I, you know, I took lessons and, you know, he taught me bar chords and things like that. And, you know, I, I started to get pretty good at bar chords. And then after three months, he said, you know, you can start to play a little bit. Why don't you bring in some records you like and we can go in and I can and I can teach you how to play simplified versions of the songs you like. And he just figured I was into like, you know, rock and roll, like Led Zeppelin and, you know, stuff like that, that kids were listening to. And the record that I brought in, the first record I brought in was the first Ramones record. And I said, I want to learn how to play this song, Blitzkrieg Bop. So he put it on, we're sitting there. He put it on, hey, oh, let's go. And then the guitar comes in and he starts to laugh. Like he, my guitar teacher is literally laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? And he said, this music is so simple. Yes. <laughs> he's like, he's like a gorilla could play this song. He's like, you can already play the song. You know, bar chords. I'll teach you this in two seconds. It's three chords. Yes. <laughs> and he taught me how to play it. And I was like, damn, I didn't even realize, but I can, I can play this. Yeah. And then I, and then I went home that night. I figured out the whole entire first Ramones record I could play every song after just taking guitar lessons for like three months yeah then I was like I can, I can already play all the stuff that I want to know how to play like I I just stopped taking lessons <laughs> because yeah. I knew that I knew that I was just into punk and like I got the tools that I needed to play every punk song that I practically you know that I knew yeah and so um I got together with a, with a bunch of people, you know, I always knew that I wanted to be in a band. I said this on a podcast a few days ago, but you know, when I was 10 years old, I saw kiss at Madison square garden and it was such like a bombastic, exciting show, you know, kiss with the breathing fire and Gene Simmons spitting the blood and a huge stage show and Gene Simmons flying at the top of Madison square garden. Today is the anniversary. Today is the anniversary. Of the forty-nine. Today is forty-nine years to the day that Kiss was formed. Crazy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. And I saw that a little while ago. So yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I had to put that out there. Go ahead. Yeah, you know. So I got home, and it was such a huge experience for me. I was like, man, I just want to be in a band. Like all I want to do is someday I'm going to be in a band. So I got that guitar when I was fourteen. I took a few lessons. And then me and my friends used to get together. There was a drummer in the neighborhood and there was a kid that could kind of play guitar and a little bass. And so we used to have a band and we learned like clash songs and 
I think some remember that band, The Knack? Of course. You know, we would play like some of the Knack songs. We try to play them. Of course, they weren't. We didn't play them great, but we play some songs like that. Some, you know, I think we played some like Elvis Costello songs, stuff like that. And we would get together and we would go into his garage. We we were literally a garage band. We practiced in his garage. And he had one of those garage door openers. So we used to have these concerts for all the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> we're all like 14. Right. And we would get there and everybody was out in the driveway and the garage door would open like really dramatically. And then we'd start playing. <laughs> that's songs. awesome, though. As a kid, that's exciting stuff, man. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and, but the fir- you know we only did cover songs, but the first band that I did where we wrote our own songs was I was probably like fifteen or sixteen or something like that, and we, we did this band of Young Republicans. It was all punk songs, and it was cool, man. We wrote our all our own songs. We wrote our own lyrics. You know, we went out, we recorded a demo. Do you still have the demo? The demo actually came out as a seven inch. Do you have the original demo though, like that one? You know, it was funny because it was lost for years. And I was like, and and finally this one kid who owned a record label, he said, hey man, I tracked down your demo. I want to put it out as a seven inch. And it was so cool to hear it because I I hadn't heard it in like 20 years. Wow. Um, But you know, it was really cool. Here are a bunch of 16 year old kids. We're doing a demo. We're writing our own songs. We're promoting it. I took it to the Anthrax in Connecticut where we go to shows. We started playing shows. you know, it was fun. Like you're yeah, a 16 year old kid. You're like, you know, 16, like my daughter's 17, like 16 is so little. Yeah. And somehow or other we're, we're doing gigs, <laughs> doing demos. Yeah. You know, we were a bunch of like go-getter kids and it was really cool. It was really fun. You know, we were actually doing it just, you know, we could barely even drive and we're out there in a band, you know, playing shows. It was fun. Awesome. Yeah, man. And yeah, so that was the first band that I did. And then I did Younger, uh, I did Violent Children with with um, Ray. He played drums, I played guitar. And that was fun too. We uh, played some big shows. Really? We played with the, played with the Cro-Mags at CBGB's. Awesome. We played with Agnostic Front a bunch of times. That's how we met. And we met Roger and Vinny. Violent Children played with uh, with Agnostic Front like maybe like three or four times. Yeah, and that, and that probably wasn't that much, I mean, time-wise from the first time you saw them at cb so you're playing with them that must have been like a like a, a like a wow moment that you're like playing with these guys it was like it was big for me oh of course. Have, a, have a show with agnostic fun it was like and you know by that time victim and pain had already come out and that record was like Oof. damn yeah. That record blew me away, you know? Of course. Still to this day it's a timeless oh record. my god to this day I listen to that record it's, it's timeless it's like, it's, you know, if you, you were going to make like a New York hardcore time capsule yeah, for people in a thousand years to dig it up and, and, and realize what New York hardcore was, you'd have to put victim in pain in there. You that would be the record that would represent New York hardcore for yeah, all time. A hundred percent. I agree. You know, so that was, that, that was fun. And, you know, that was really big. Um, and so I had, you know, I, I, I had that thing, like I wanted to gig, I wanted to play shows. Um, you know, with Violent Children, we weren't like a big band or anything. And we weren't a band that like really, you know, I used to go see, you know, Agnostic Front and Seven Seconds and, you know, Negative Approach and like all these bands that I loved. And there was, you know, their music meant so much to me that they made such a huge impact on me. 
Yeah. And I didn't really, I didn't, you know, I think, and Ray felt that way too. You know, hardcore had really affected his life in such a big way. But Violent Children weren't the band that was going out there and impacting anybody's life. You know, our right. songs about stupid stuff that happened in school and just dumb shit. Yeah, you know? kid shit, man, of course. <laughs> but we wanted to be in like, you know, we saw Agnostic Front. And we saw what they were doing and the impact they were having on people. We saw the Cro-Mags and how their music was so powerful. We wanted to be in a band like that. And we even told the other guys in Violent Children, we're like, we don't want to sing these dumb stuff about math class anymore. Like, we yeah. want to... <laughs> we want to write real songs about real stuff that's going to affect people. And they were like, we don't want to do that. Right. And so we're like, we're out of here. Right. You know? And we, yeah. we broke up the band and then Ray said, I want to sing. And as soon as he started singing, you know, it's really weird how, how, how destiny works. You know what I mean? Cause the universe <laughs> works in weird ways, man. Yeah, because Violent Children was together for about two years. They had they had a diff, different guitar players before me, and then after a year, like I joined the band and we kicked it around for a year. We played CBGs, we played a bunch of big shows, but absolutely no momentum. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. like no, but we were always the first band open on the bill. Nobody was there to see us. Nobody really cared. Right. And then we broke up the band and we started Youth Today, and Ray moved to drums to singing. And it was like, bam, you know, some, some, sometimes you get like, you get the right pieces in place and you get the right chemistry of people. And like, you get this, you, you start to write these songs at the right time in the right yeah. place, you know? And it's just like, I don't know what it is. Like to me, it was almost like destiny. It was almost yeah. like destiny was unfolding. And I had this kind of destiny to be in a band and he moved to vocals and then bam, Right. Like my destiny. From then on, like he moved to vocals, first practice, we wrote a bunch of songs, we played our first show, and then it was like, buckle up, dude, you're in nice. for a big ride. Strap <laughs> in, strap in. Do you remember the first song that you wrote for you today? Wrote, um, yeah, we wrote um, Expectations because, nice. because I was in that band, Young Republicans, and we had a song about bombs or something about like nuclear bombs or something like that of course and the chorus was uh was dan 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 so i took that and i slowed it down dan and so we took that piece of the song we slowed it down into a mosh part and we wrote that into expectations and that was our first song and i tell you you know we went on a songwriting binge and within like Literally within three weeks, we had uh, expectations, take a stand, you, the song Youth of Today, um, Can't Close My Eyes. You know, we wrote those songs. We wrote, a, we wrote like, you know, five or six, you know, probably like the first five super iconic Youth of Today songs. We wrote those all in like three weeks. Nice. We were practicing every single day, every single day after school. I would go over to Capo's house. Me and him would sit in our, would sit in his bedroom. We just start writing songs and yeah, it just kind of like, it just started to, you know, happen and unfold really quick. And, um, actually, you know, um, even the song, we are, you know, one of the first songs, which actually became a project X song was used the day song was straight edge revenge. Yes. Okay. And that was a song from the young Republicans 
we call it, we, it was, it's actually on the record too. It's, it was called high school rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, you know, we had a bunch of rednecks at school and, you know, most of it was like preppy kids, but then you have these kids that were like upstate rednecks and they were freaking tough dudes. Like yeah. these were dudes that would ride around in their pickup trucks with like ax handles in their car. Oh shit. And you know, we were like punk rockers and you get these rednecks that'd be you fucking punk rocker. I'll fuck you up. Uh, it was like, it was a, it was a, it was a big thing in the school, man. These rednecks didn't like punk rockers and they might hit you with a fucking ax handle after right. school. Like, it was a concern of ours. <laughs> of course it was. That's like the Guidos in New York City with all the punk rock. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So we, t- we had this song, High School Rednecks, and we just changed the words to Straight Edge Revenge. And it's the exact same song with different lyrics. And that, it, it's funny. Like, I'll go on tour with Judge and like, we'll be in Singapore. Yeah. And, the, and these bands that can barely speak English, the opening band, they'll come up to me, they'll, they'll be like, Hey man, we're doing straight. We're covering straight as revenge tonight. Do you want to sing it with us? And I'm always just like, that's so weird. Like I wrote a song when I was 16 about rednecks in high school. Yeah. And here it is like, you know, 35 years later (laughs) and I'm in Singapore. Right. And the opening band has asked me to sing that song. Like that changes. It just, it blows my mind, dude. Yeah. It's It's so crazy. It's it's, it's so crazy. It's amazing. It really is. It it is amazing. It is amazing. But yeah, music today really, really started happening real quick. Yeah. It, It was, uh, it was fun. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to something and it's, and even people listening, I can't even believe that I'm, I'm even going to tell you this, but it's the God's honest truth. I don't know how many hardcore shows I've been to in my life. I mean, countless, but for some weird reason, I don't know why it's not like I didn't want to go or whatever. You want to know the first time I actually saw you today live and you're one of my favorite bands ever it was like a two years ago or something <laughs> it was dude it was this is hardcore 2016 at union transfer that that show it was one of my favorite shows i was ever that, that set is one of my favorite sets ever ever that was a that was a good show wasn't it that was that show i was like a little kid smile from ear to ear Happy as a pig in shit from beginning to end of that show. I was in my glory, dude. Kids, oh, went, in, kids went so insane for that show. It was almost like we were playing CBGBs in like 1988. It, it was, was crazy. Dude. It was crazy and was so much fun. Ridiculous. You know, you know, what's, you know what's funny about that show? That was the first time Capo brought his wife to a show his wife has nothing to do with hardcore she's a civilian like she doesn't know punk she doesn't know anything she doesn't know she probably doesn't know who freaking blondie is you know what i mean right. that's how far removed from this type of music is. <laughs> yeah and she came to that show and we played that show and it was just i mean there was like 10 kids stage diving every second every second show. yeah and kids sing along grabbing you know, we did break down the walls last song. There's more kids on stage. Yeah. You know, you couldn't even see the band. You couldn't, see, you couldn't tell who the band was. Yeah, exactly. 
And we walked back into the dressing room after that show. And she was just looking at us like, holy freaking crap. Like, what the hell just happened? Like, yeah. can you imagine? You don't know anything about punk or hardcore. And you see that for right. the first time. And you're married to the singer. Like, <laughs> it's, that makes it even more crazy. Like, yeah. who am I married to? Who are you, dude? Like, what exactly? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like a culture shock. That was a yeah. good show, man. That yeah, was was, it's like I said, it's 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 in my top five of like sets I've ever been to. And I've been to hundreds of shows like it's up there. It was, yeah, that was, it, was a, it was a moment for me, man. I tell you, it's so cool. You know, we just played punk rock bowling a few months ago. And it's so cool because, you know, when you're a band like Youth of Today, who has a very kind of specific message. Yes. And that message is timeless. You know what I mean? Positive living, healthy living, straight edge, vegetarianism. You know, those things are, those things are, you know, just as relevant today as they were, you know, when we wrote those songs. hundred percent. So there's always like this new crop of kids. You know, if you're even today, say it's 2022. If you're like a, if you're like a kid in high school and you're getting into straight edge, you're going to get some guy that's going to say, hey, man, check. I don't know. Like back then, we used to have mixtapes. Probably nowadays. Hey, man, check out my Spotify playlist. Right. Playlist. Of course, yeah. <laughs> if you have a straight edge Spotify playlist, 99 out of 100 of those straight edge Spotify playlists are going to have you today on it. You 100%. Know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, so whenever we play, there's always like a new crop of kids that are just like wildly into the stuff that we're singing about. Flipping <laughs> generations, man. You're turning generations over. Yeah, it's cool. You know, we play punk rock bowling and there's all these like young kind of hardcore kids out there that are just you know, singing every word. It's like, wow, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> Very cool. Absolutely. So, I mean, you obviously, I mean, you, you were just saying like, you still, you guys still play from time to time. It's always awesome. You guys have, I mean, you've been around forever. What was the turning point and what was the whole deal when you, when the judge thing happened? Uh, well, judge really happened when you today, you today briefly broke up Yeah. before we're not in the Sloan came out. That's why the first line of we're not in the Sloan and first line of flame still burn says we're back. Yes. Because we broke up a lot of, you know, it, it's, it was so weird because, you know, Youth of Today was always like, it, it was almost, you know, the New York hardcore scene was such a tight knit thing that, you know, we were like a local band, you know, everybody loved us. Everybody kind of like respected us. We loved everybody. You know, it was a, we're this family. It's like Warzone and then Nasi Front and Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits and Sick of It All. We all hung out together. We were all friends. And it was like a really cool thing. And then, you know, Youth of Today went on tour and we kind of came back. And the band was really getting big outside of New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, we broke up there was a lot of people that just kind of like really just kind of like stomped on the band. It wasn't even like in New York, you know, I yeah. tell you, you know, 
it's a weird thing that when mm -hmm. you start to get big, when you start to get popular, you know, we know how it is. There's always going to be people. You sold out. Air you the freaking hell down. It happens. It's like trolls on the internet. Yeah. As you start to get popular, there's going to be a certain segment of the population that they, I don't know what it is. Maybe they feel so empty in their own life that, you know, they just want to tear you down back to their level. Yeah. But there was a lot of people like that. Um, so, you know, used to they had briefly broken up. Then we got back together and, you know, we're not as long came out. And then it was almost like we were bigger than ever. Right. And, you know, when I say big, I, I don't well, mean Metallica big. You know, I like, understand. I know what you're talking about. Sure. No, we're small, but we're big in that small scene. Kind sure. Of, kind of thing. Yes. But we had broken up. And during that time that we were broken up, that's when um, me and Mike started Judge. Oof. Um, Same kind saying, of message, but just the kind of dark side of the dark. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, a little bit darker, but along the same vein, but a little darker. Absolutely. A bit of a Not taking no shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's Mike. You know, the cool thing about hardcore, it's like, you know, it's all these. What's cool to me about hardcore and punk is it wasn't cookie cutter. Like every band had its own kind of flavor to it. Sure. And so once you had Mike Judge at the helm, it was that whole kind of thing. It was like, you know, it was straight edge and you know, we were, we were part of that whole scene, but because he's such an intense sort of moody dude, that vibe came out in the, in the music. And I thought it was kind of a, it was a really cool thing because the people that got into judge were kind of the more broken people of the scene you know what i mean yeah people that had kind of crappy upbringings and you know maybe they even like a lot of people that were to ju judge were people that had drug problems that kind of straighten out their life yeah and they and they really you know i had i had so many people that you know back in the day that came up to me man judge were a big inspiration had a big alcohol problem and you know judge inspired me to get it you know, i had a big drug problem you know judge inspired me to you know you know, go a different path. And that, you know, that was like really cool. But um yeah, so that's that's kind of when Judge sort of took off. And then when you said they broke up again in 1989, that's when you know Break Down the Walls came out and we started doing Judge for you know full time. So it was really almost like when Youth of Today wasn't, you know, on tour or doing full time, that's when we tried to sneak in judge as much as we could. Yeah, it was tough, man. I was in judge. I was in freaking bald. Yeah, man. <laughs> Hot second. Yeah, you get dragged everywhere, man. Of course. But I, I I liked you know staying active and being in a in a bunch of bands and you know for me it was fun. Yeah, and it's it's funny because when before I press record, you had said that you listened to the episode. It's episode 90, 90 something. I know it's in the nineties. If anyone that wants to go back, cause it's, it's still up there, but I was sitting with Mike judge in a diner and we were talking and, uh, he had said something. I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but like his wife for X amount of years had no idea that he was even like in a band. And I just found that mind blowing. Same with Ray's wife. Like, all right, you might know you're in a band, but you never witnessed it. But Mike's wife didn't even know that he was in a band, that he was like this super 
he was like an enigma at a certain point. Like everything was, where's Mike Judge? Where's Mike Judge? He like dropped off the face of the planet. And then there was rumblings after so many years. Will it happen? Will it ever happen? It will never happen. It will never be again. And the next thing you know, you guys are being announced to do two headlining shows at the Black and Blue Bowl. Can you imagine that's the that's the first show that she sees? She must have been oh like, who God. is this dude that I'm married to, man? Exactly. <laughs> no. I tell you, I've, I've played a lot of shows, and I've played a lot of great shows. There's a special place in my heart for both those black and blue shows, those Judge first time back. <sighs> I couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't believe it. Dude, that, the, that Webster Hall was body to body packed like you know because when when judge was around if we played a show and there was 300 kids at the show wow this is a huge show you know right. we go on tour there'd be 100 150 200 kids a bigger show would be 300 kids you know it wasn't like we were that big when we were uh, you know a, a full-time band and so then when we're coming back you know and they're having us headline you know, Webster Hall, I'm thinking like, who's going to come to this show? Everybody. <laughs> we, we, we sound checked and I saw a bunch of the bands and, you know, it was still like, it wasn't even really like, I heard it was sold out. Yes. And then right before we went, I went out to eat and I came back and there was so many people in there. I couldn't even get like, I had to go to the crowd to get to the side of the stage to get in, to get to the backstage. It literally took me like a half an hour to like kind of push my way through the crowd. It was like there was so many people. It was like shoulder to shoulder jam packed. Yeah, couldn't even get through the crowd. It was nuts. What were you thinking as you were going through that crowd? What the hell is happening right now? <laughs> I, I tell you, man. There's certain times in your life where you're just sort of like humbled by the whole thing, and you're yeah. just like you got nothing but just like gratitude for like. Wow. You know, it, it was weird. And then we got on stage and we played, you know, we went in to take me away. Duh, duh, duh. The whole place just went bananas. I was just like, it was a cool feeling, man. Yeah. It, was really, it was a really cool feeling because, you know, Judge hadn't been a band for a long time. And it was like, it was like, wow. You know, I did something, you know, me and Mike and I got together with my friends and we put out this record and you know, it somehow or other, it impacted people's life. And like, here's kind of like a display of it. And, you know, to me, like, that's what's so cool about music. That's what's so cool about hardcore in particular. Yeah. You know, there's music that, it was just like, some people listen to dumb pop music and it's like, whatever, it's just a bunch of love songs and this and that. And yeah. even even that, like people can relate to, you know, that's the magic of music, how people can like, take that song and relate to it in something in their own life. But, you know, for me, like hardcore was so real. Yes. It was so about stuff that like really impacted your life and shit you were going through in your life and things that you had to deal with and like the darkness and the light, you know, it was all there. Yeah. When a band played and like, you know, they would sing that song of like <sighs> something that you were going through. It was like, it was almost like magic, dude. Yeah, you know I man, a hundred percent. And you get goosebumps. Like I would, certain bands. Like a lot of times, like a particular band would open up, and you would expect their whatever song they they open up with for the most part. They, you know, they're gonna break out into it, and you're just waiting. Like the lights will all go off, and you're in that crowd, 
and you get that you get the feeling in your stomach. Like I would I would get like it would it would get queasy a little bit. I would almost get like this excited, almost nervous feeling, and then they would break out into it, and then you just bust and you just go nuts. And it was just it's the biggest relief, a positive relief that I could think of. You know what I mean? It it's is uh, it's unexplainable. If you don't know it, then I can't really put it into words. If you if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, it's absolute magic, dude. Yeah. And you know what was so cool about hardcore? It's like you know, music does that. Like the band is singing, and you know, and what makes music really good is that a person takes what's in their heart and they kind of express it in an artistic way out in their out their mouth, and then you hear that, and then you it strikes a chord in your heart you know what i mean yeah and then here's a band on stage and they're singing something and there's a connection you know what i mean there's a connection through this like mystical magical thing of music where two people are connecting in like a real you know like a real way and in an intimate small place where it's hot and you're sweating and you're sharing the same mic filled with spit and there's sweat everywhere. It's, it's that's something. What's, that's what's especially cool about hardcore because yeah. you take that same magic. But now I can get up on stage, grab the mic with the singer, and I'm looking in Kevin Second's eyes and I got the mic and we're both singing it and there's yes. a kid jumping on my back to sing yes. it. there's a kid jumping on Kevin Seconds back and we all feel it and we all feel it in our hearts and we're singing it like it's our freaking last day on earth and we're all and then, fighting for the microphone yeah <laughs> and it's incredible it's like it, it, it's even more of an expression because you could get on stage and you can sing it and you can grab the mic and you can grab the guitar player's mic and it's just like yeah. Wow. There's yeah. nothing more. Man. Yeah, there's if, nothing if you've like never it. Been to, if you've never been to a hardcore show. You're missing out. You, 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 just, you just don't understand. Like me and you are sitting here. We're like, we we felt it. Of we course. It. I feel it now talking about it. Like things are going in yeah. my head. Like, you know, when you hear like Roger or somebody say, you know, if you know the words, come up here and help me sing them. It's like. I'm there. You know what I mean? And I'm going to try my best to rip the mic out of your hand and sing the chorus to victim in pain, you know, and, and lose my voice while I'm singing. Why am I going insane? You know what I mean? You know, you know, it was really cool. A few years back, judge and gorilla biscuits. We headlined a big festival in South America. So I think it was in uh, Buenos Aires and it was a huge hardcore festival. Um, Gorilla Biscuits headlined the first night, Judge headlined the second night. And we were there hanging out uh, the day before. And we figured out Walter's there, Al Brown is there, um, Al Brown from Gorilla Biscuits before he passed on. Yeah. And he was there and I was there. And so we said, you know what we should do? Before Gorilla Biscuits plays, we should do a Project X set. And just like we won't announce it, we'll just we'll just kind of do it, just because it's we're all here. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and so uh, a little bit in the hotel room, and then we got to the show, and, before, and and 
I think I think Gorilla Biscuits played a couple of songs and they said, hey, we're going to take a break and we're going to have this other band come on and sing some and sing some songs. Why don't you guys come out here? And then I came out and I grabbed the mic. And we did that song Straight Edge Revenge. Now, Straight Edge Revenge, you could say, is kind of a stupid song. And you could make an argument for it being a stupid song because the lyrics are. I'm as straight as the line that you sniff up your nose. I'm as, I'm as hard as the booze that you swill down your throat. I'm as bad as the shit you breathe into your lungs. And I'll fuck you up as fast as a pill on your tongue. Straight edge revenge. Like that's the whole song. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so if you're not straight edge, you can make the argument. That's a fucking super judgmental song, dude. Like, Right. And then you throw the song Revenge in there and it makes it even a little bit more sinister. And you know what? I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get, I get that perspective from where you're coming from. Right. But then I also get it. And when you're a straight edge kid, like when I was, I went straight edge when I was like, I was barely 16 years old. And I came from a high school. You know, you see all those 80s movies, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where everybody's going to the, the high school parties and they're like sure. nuts and like drinking and people like doing crazy stuff. Yeah. That was my high school. Right. There was no movie. Right. Like that was every single weekend. Like there'd be a house party, there'd be a keg, people are getting drunk, people are doing stupid stuff, people are destroying the house. You know, and that was like my circle of friends. Like that was my kind of cool kid crew in school. Right. Like that was just part of what we did. We partied like party animals because we sure. thought it was that was a cool thing to do because all the movies said to do it. Yeah. And then I remember like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to party till I throw up. I feel, you know, I, I don't like the way I feel. I don't like to be out of control. I don't like to be hungover. This just isn't my thing, man. I'm just not into it. Right. And so when I told all my friends in school, Hey man, I'm not going to party anymore. It was almost like I was a freaking alien on another planet. They're like, what are you talking about? You're not going to drink beer anymore. You're right. not going to party anymore. You're not going to go to keg parties with us anymore. You're not going right. to get stupid with us anymore. Like what the hell is wrong with you? Like they couldn't even understand it. Yeah. And I, and I felt like, and you know, people would make fun of me. People would, you know, and you know, you'd go to shows like, especially like when you today started, we're coming straight. As There's people throwing beers at us. There's people pouring beers over our heads. You know, I tell you, I never, ever got hit with, with a with a beer bottle or a beer can. I've had hundreds of beer bottles thrown at me in, oh, in right. hundreds. We would go on tour in, in Europe. Just like it's it's just like beer bottles are just flying through the air like the whole time. It's I've had so beer poured over my head. I actually did have a I, I did have one empty beer can hit me in the head. Oh my God. But you know, it's like people are making fun of you. People don't understand it. People are ostracizing you for it. People are looking down on you for it. People are calling you, you're a fucking pussy. You're this, you're that. I'm a grow up, dude. Just grow up. <laughs> you know, and there's so much like, I'm just doing something that's trying to make my life better. You know right. what I mean? So I get that feeling. You right. know what I mean? There's so much shit that you take when you're straight edge. There's even people that like, we've had people that try to beat us up. I've been beat up before. I, I remember I was at a bad brain show and 10 skinheads jumped me. And I was inside the show. Like 
and they beat me up like super bad. Like it was literally 10 on one outside the show. I'm in line. They came up to me, dog piled me, you know, punch rings, everything punched me in the back. I thought I was going to get stabbed. Like I'm down on the ground, 10 guys. They had, um, they had, uh, those skinhead canes, like a cane with like a brass eagle on the top. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. just like wailing. Like some of them are wailing on me with canes. Some dudes are kicking me with their Doc Martens. Some dudes are punching me with their punch rings. They punched me so bad with punch rings, my whole shirt was just torn up. My whole back was bloody. Where was this? This was at the Ritz. The Bad Brains played at the Ritz. At the Ritz, okay. I think it was called, It was what was it called before it was called the Ritz? It's called something else, I think. It was, I remember it just being the old Ritz and then it became Webster Hall. No, no, oh. this was Uptown. This was at the place Uptown. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not this sure. Was, I, the Ritz that I went to turned to Webster Hall. And the first time I ever went to the, to what became Webster Hall was like 91 or 92 or something. The first show I remember there was Morbid Angel Agnostic Front SOD Reunion. That's the first yeah. show that I remember. Webster Hall used to be called the Ritz. Yeah. This was a different place up there. I believe it was Studio 54. Okay. And then it became like a club where they'd have shows. Could have been. This, this was probably like 1990 or something like that. And man, these skinheads just dragged me, beat the shit out of me. And I, luckily, I kind of like scrambled out from underneath their feet. And I ran to, um, I, I ran to the door. And there was a guy that wasn't going to let me in. I was like, oh, my God, these dudes are chasing me. Like, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get beat up again. And luckily, there was one bouncer in there that I knew from, uh, you know, Niagara, that place on 7th and A. Yeah, of course. It used, it used to be it A7. Used, it used to be A7. Sure, of course. And when I, you know, back in the day, it was called King Tut's Wawa Hut. And Richie used to work there. So this guy used to used to um, work with Richie. And I saw and. I saw him and he saw these guys chasing me and he literally grabbed me and he dragged me into the door right before these guys were going to beat me down again. Jesus. And I got into the club and I was just like, and I was asking around, I was like, why did these dudes beat me up? Like, like what the hell? Mob mentality, nonsense. No, check it out. This skinhead told me, he goes, they beat you up because they're straight edge and they can't stand straight edge. And, you know, it's just funny. Like, there's something about, like, there was something about straight edge that, you know, some people just got really, like, you know, they would make fun of you. They do this. They do that. So we're playing this show. And so I get it. You know, I can understand the argument against that song. I can also understand it from a straight edge point of view where you're just catching so much shit just because you don't want to drink. Right. You know what I mean? And people are just, like, on your case about it. And so, you know. And you, there's only so much you can take before you're just like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. This is how I want to live my life. It's my fucking life. Fuck you. I'm yeah. going to live my life like I want to live my life. And that's like the, that's the kind of like um, vibe that that song was written about. Yeah. So we're playing this show. <laughs> this is only like a few, this is only like a few years ago. We're in, you know, Buenos Aires and Gorilla Biscuits played the show. And then they came out and, it was, there was probably like, there was probably like 2000 kids at the show. It was a massive show. And so we came out and we started playing straight as revenge. And I just saw, I just saw a wave of X's 
kind of like on kids hands like coming to the front like they're losing their fucking minds they didn't know awesome. the X. there's like an army of like kids and exes i'm saying making their way to the front of the uh, to the front of the slot from the um club we start playing that song and kids start losing their mind like kids oh. rush the stage their grandma like everybody's singing that song and like when it got to the bar straight as revenge kids I could see, I could see it in their face. They felt that. Here's a straight edge kid. He's misunderstood. People yeah. made fun of him his whole life. They don't yeah. get it. Why do you, why don't you drink? You're a pussy. You know, this and that. I could, I could see the years of frustration translating into that song and they're singing it back to me. And it was just like, it's one of those magic moments where you connect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, of and course. Was, I understand that completely. It was really, it was really cool. And, and, you know, especially like my, the small shows are fun, but there's something massive about you're playing like a big show and there's literally like hundreds of these kids. In a different country. In a different country. <laughs> yeah. They don't even speak English. Right. They only know the English from the songs, but, but, you know, they understand like there's a certain vibe about that song. I can understand it's just being a frustrated straight edge kid getting made fun of. And it's funny, like here it is halfway across the world. There's a kid having the same experience and yeah. somehow or other work. We, we come across time and space and we connect through that song. And man, it was just like, it's just amazing, man. It the, is. Power of, the power of music is so amazing. Absolutely, dude. Isn't it weird when you meet people and you're like, well, "What are some of your favorite bands?" They're like, oh, "I'm not, I'm not really that much into music. Like, I don't really." That is like you're like from another planet. Like, I'm like me and you. Me and you can't hang out. Like that's yeah, yeah. I, I am like you. I can't talk to you about music or bands or records or I. I, I almost have nothing to talk to you about. Like that's such an icebreaker when you meet somebody. It's like, what? Like you. you I, I don't get it because uh, because yeah. music has I, I don't know what I would do without music, man. It's got me through every single type of every aspect of my life, whether it's good times, bad times, really, really hard, rough times. It's just like, you know, it's it. It's such a universal thing. And for somebody to be like, ah, ah, listen to the radio. It's like, I don't even know what's on the radio. I couldn't tell you what's on the radio at all. Yeah, Zero. some people have such a, you know, they'll just, w whatever. They'll just like, What are you into like, then? Are you just into yeah. sports? Like, all right, I get it. Like, I'm not a huge sports fan, but I, I get it. But that's it. Like, there's no music or like, it's just, it's weird. It's weird. You know, me. music has been such a soundtrack to my life. And, you know, you know, here's another amazing thing about music. Even like, even if you just don't go to a show, if you're going through some hard times, like I, I remember like everybody goes through that period in their life where like, it's just challenge after challenge and you don't know if you're going to make it. And like, you hit rock bottom and been there, like, been there, you know, and, and, you know, the world is just turning against you and you're in a bad place. And then you listen to a song. You know, a, a, a lot of times in my life, you know, I love that band, The Smiths. Yeah. And, you know, they're not even a hardcore band. No. Nope. You know, but Morrissey had such a great way of writing lyrics that just kind of like, if you're even the slightest bit of an outsider, like if you even have that slightest thing in your life where you feel like, 
I don't fit in. Like I remember in high school, like I just kind of felt like that. Like I just don't fit in. Like these people don't get me. Like, um, you know, that's where I really kind of found my place in the hardcore scene. Cause we were all kind of outsiders we were all kind of misfits and we were all kind of misunderstood. Yeah. And so the Smiths, they had that kind of thing where like he had a knack where he could write songs that, and you know, about that. And I remember being in like really bad places in my life and like hearing a Smith song and man, there's something so healing about where you're going through something and then someone else writes a song about exactly what you're going through. Exactly. But they write it in a way. And the person is so it's such a good songwriter that they write lyrics that can explain what you're going through even better than you can explain it. A thousand percent. And you hear that song. You're like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I'm going through. And you know what? You don't feel so alone anymore. Yeah. And you feel like there's somebody else in this cold, dark world. (laughs) that feels exactly like I feel. And it's going through the same stuff that I, and there's something like, I don't know. There's something like healing about that, isn't it? A hundred percent. That's why I was saying that before. I was like, it just so happened to be, I was leaving court and so much stuff was happening. I was just, just all kinds of moving parts. I can't really get into everything, obviously, but there was so much that, and then I put on, I just shuffled my iPod or whatever it was. And it just so happened, I was just like, whatever, play. And that song, Look My Way, came on. And he says, look my way and hide your face in shame. And, and that stuff had just happened in that courtroom where someone couldn't look me in the face. And it was just every lyric of that song in that moment, I was like looking at the radio, like looking at it like it's just like you said, explains it better than I could explain it. I could think it, but I can't put it into words. And you're telling me exactly how I'm thinking and exactly what I'm feeling in this moment right now. And it was, I was just like, holy shit. It was like crazy. And isn't it sort of, isn't it cool to know, like there's somebody that feels exact. There's somebody out there that feels exactly like I feel. Yeah. And I don't feel so alone anymore. You know, I tell you, first heard the song straight edge by minor thread yes i had already felt like you know here i was in school i didn't like part like i'm just not one of those kids that likes partying i don't like drinking i don't like being drunk i don't like being hung over but you know you know how it is when you're in school there's a certain status quo if you're a cool kid you party and if you want to be with the cool kids, if you want to kind of have any sort of social footing, at least it was in my high school, if you want to have any sort of social footing in the school, you got to party and you got to, and plus I was on the football team yeah. and it's like, we're football players, man. We party hard. Yeah. We're macho. Of course. Yeah. And I remember being like 15 years old and being like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink. I'm feeling peer pressured into drinking. I don't like it. And then all my friends are getting into like smoking pot. Some of them are snorting Coke. Some of them are doing pills. It's like, shit, man. Like now I'm getting into high school. The game is going like they're up in their game, even into harder stuff. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Right. But all my friends are doing it. And I feel this incredible amount of pressure to do it. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And then I heard that song by Myers Start Straight Edge. And I was like, it, it, 
it, it was exa- I, I was like, man, there's a person in D.C. I'm a person just like you, but I got better things to do. You know, it was just like, that's exactly how I felt. And it sort of, it really gave me the courage to just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go straight edge. There's sure. other people out there that have the courage to fucking stand up and say, this is the way I want to live my life. I'm going to do that. And I remember yeah. like going, going to a party and like not drinking. And all my friends are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like right. have a beer. Like, What's wrong with you? If you're not going to drink, get the fuck out of here. Like stuff like that. And it was really like knowing there's a person somewhere out there. <laughs> His name's Ian Mackay. He feels exactly like how I feel. And he's got the courage to stand up to all this bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to have the courage to do it. And man, it's just like, there's something so special about that. Absolutely, man. It it changes your life. I was going to say, it changes your life. A hundred percent. It has a profound effect, especially when you're younger and you're feeling peer pressure and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And then you hear that song and it absolutely, it sticks with you and it changes your whole path, dude. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It is. Yeah, when, when people are like, and it's a shame that some people will never get to experience that because they don't even know what hardcore punk rock is. <laughs> yeah, or they're like, oh, music. I'll just listen to whatever kind of music. I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, I don't later, dude. Yeah, yeah dude, take it easy, man. <laughs> Me and you will never be friends. No, that's the great divide. I'm out. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny shit. Yeah, dude. Oh man. Listen, but before I forget, can I you mind if I throw out my sponsors real quick? Sure. No are you a are you a coffee guy? Uh I don't drink coffee every day. Decaf? I, do, uh, <laughs> I don't like decaf. You know, I it's funny because you mentioned Craig. Oh. Me and Craig, whenever me and so Craig's got a house up in upstate New York. Um yes. where where I he has a farm. He's got a he's got a really cool farm. Yeah. Whenever he's up here, Craig will call me up. Hey, I'm in upstate. Let's go get a cup of coffee. We go down to local. So I'm more like a social coffee drinker. I got Meet you. Craig, go to the coffee shop, yeah. sit there with a cup of Joe, drink coffee. So I, I do drink coffee. I don't drink it like every day. I'm not super into coffee, but right. I, I do. You. I do like a good cup of coffee. All right. Well, that's fine. Well, one of the sponsors of the podcast. Now I'm gonna like almost like press a button on my neck because it comes out like that. One of the sponsors of the of the podcast is a company called Dead Sled Coffee. D-E-A-D Sled Coffee. You can follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 20% off of your order. And any order, $60 or more, is free domestic shipping. But they've what they, they're a really small company, but they've done, they do officially licensed stuff with like a lot of like horror people like they have like a bella lugosi blend elvira kane hotter from friday the 13th robert england freddy krueger they also do music stuff dude like they did um uh the band wisdom in chains they have uh yeah they, they did luke the drummer they, they created a coffee with them it's like some anazette amaretto type flavor coffee so they have a wisdom in chains blend. they did something with the toasters the ska band um, yeah, I remember the toasters. I love the toasters. Yeah, Dead Sled did a coffee blend with those guys. Um, they just they they put out um, it's full like limited edition bags. I don't know how I don't know what fiery hoops they had to jump through, but they officially licensed a Kiss blend. All four bags of the original members of Kiss, cool bags and stuff. I don't know how they did it. Cypress Hill, the band Skid Row, Rob Zombie. 
go figure. We were just talking about him, a whole bunch of stuff. So they're like a small company, but they do like this really cool. They're not like nose in the air, snooty coffee company. They do like hardcore stuff and horror stuff, but it's actually really good coffee. Go figure. Hey man, if, if they ever want to do a judge dark roast, let me know. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome, dude. Listen, Mike, Mike Forward, I, I, I'll reach out. I'll be like, listen, do you want to do a judge thing? They'd be down. I'll put you guys in touch because Mike's a great dude. Um, that's, a great, that's a great name, Dead Sled Coffee. Dead Sled Coffee. Yeah, they blew up over the past, like, year and a half. That Like, the guy was literally, like, like from grassroots, like, shipping stuff like from his house he had like a walk-in closet with his stock and now they're like they ship out of a huge warehouse and they have all this stuff like they blew up like really like big so but i've been drinking their stuff since way before the podcast was even a thought so the three sponsors i have i've been using for forever so and they're all like small companies you know small businesses the second yeah, company, did, 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 did they have a, a coffee shop or you got to order it no it's all online deadslikecoffee.com yeah. Yeah. Cool. But it's, it's awesome, man. They, they have like a lot of really, they have like the breakfast blends. They have the dark roasts. They have all kinds of stuff. Flavors. They have, they have tea, all kinds of stuff. The second, awesome. the second sponsor you're familiar with guaranteed. They've been around since 1992, a little place called generation records located at 210 Thompson street and here in the West village in New York city. If you cannot make it to the actual brick and mortar spot, they have an eBay page or you can go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and order stuff online from there. And they also have an Instagram page at Generation Records. So thanks, Mark, and all those guys. Last but definitely not least, New Republic Printing. Follow them on Instagram as well at New Republic Printing. Go to newrepublicprinting.com. There's a drop-down menu of any kind of brand T-shirts, hoodies, t-shirts, tank tops, sweatpants, anything you want something printed on, they have it. Um, the great thing about them is there's no setup fees. There's no screen fees. And if you have your order shipped to any commercial address, it's free UPS ground shipping. So I can get, you know, a thousand Brooklyn Blast Furnace t-shirts, you know, made and have the order shipped to my job in the city. And I can get 50 boxes dropped off there. It doesn't cost me a nickel more. So New Republic Printing, Generation Records, and Dead Sled Coffee. And those are my sponsors. I love Generation Records, man. They're one of the best they're, record stores. The greatest, man. They've been around forever. They, their doors are still open. They survived this whole pandemic thing. They're open, and they seem to be doing fine, which is awesome. I mean, they have shows downstairs. There's spoken word stuff, vinyl everywhere, posters, books, T-shirts everywhere. It's just like you step back. It's like you walk in there, and it's like you step back in the day. It's I love it. Love Generation it's, Records. It's so cool. It's like, where else can you get like a discharge shirt? You know right. what I mean? But you can yeah. get a Generation Records. You absolutely <laughs> can. You absolutely like can. Any, any band that you could think of, they got the freaking shirt, man. Absolutely. Anything from Slayer to Discharge, so you could probably get a Blondie shirt all the way up to even like something new, like what the kids listen to, like Billie Eilish and shit like that. But there's you everything. Want a, you want a freaking Bauhaus shirt? They got it. You want a Civ shirt? They got it. They got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Set your goals, album cover on a maroon shirt. They got it. Like everything. 
Yeah, that, awesome. that's a great store, man. I love yeah. that place. Yeah, so I'm I'm super happy that they're responding. Obviously, I've been going. I'm not getting I'm not getting paid to say that either. I legit like the store. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> listen, I don't. I'm not getting paid either. I don't have any monetary things. I might get some coffee every now and then, but uh-huh. I don't get it. I don't. I don't pay bills by doing this. I do this for fun to talk to people like you and people that I respect and I like what they do. You know, uh-huh. that's all. I do it for fun, dude. Almost four years, and I don't even know how that even possible it's crazy it almost happened by mistake it's weird i don't know crazy that you that you have hundreds of episodes man damn yeah you're, that's, that's impressive your episode 252 but those are just the, that's just the numbered episodes there was like 18 full episodes that i did when the pandemic first hit i was just calling them the isolation sessions and i, I stopped at like 18 i was like all right well it seems like it. so i just picked up the numbers again there's bonus episodes that are over an hour long. There's probably about 30 of them. And then there's like these bonus mini episodes where it's like anywhere from like 15 minutes to a half hour, quick in and out, like even like live at like a, a horror convention with somebody or something. And I throw those in every now and then there's probably about 20 of those. So there's probably over, there's over 300 actual files of things that you can listen to. You know what's crazy? Ray Capo has a yoga podcast called Wisdom of the Sages. Yeah, it's 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 not it doesn't have anything to do with physical yoga. It's all about uh, yoga philosophy. Okay. In particular, this this one book of yoga philosophy, and um, he does his podcast every single day, seven wow. days a week, and wow. they're already they've been doing it for like I think two years or something like that. They have over six hundred episodes. Wow. Nuts. And they're all on YouTube. You can go. People like binge listen to it. Wanna know how many people listen to their podcast every single day? I'm sure tons. Dude, every single day it's like twenty thousand people. It's insane. That's awesome. It's it's like huge in the yoga scene. Yeah. That's Um, great, man. That's great. It's 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 called Wisdom of the Sages. It's a really cool podcast. Yeah. That's the only thing that bothers me about my Instagram getting hacked. I spent so much time promoting and promoting and promoting. I feel like it was wasted time. That's the only thing that bothers me about it. You couldn't get it back? No. And what bothers me about it even more is is that it's still up. So, like, for anyone, I don't really do this very often, but now I will because of the situation. It used to be with the one that's hacked that I have no control over was just at the Brooklyn blast furnace. That's it. It's still up, but I have no control. So I had to create a new one. I got in touch with instant. There's a billion people on Instagram. And in the grand scheme of things, I had like around 5,000 followers on there. That's really, it's nothing. It's a drop in the hat compared to some people. You know what I mean? And they, they would ask you for like a video selfie, like to prove it's you, but there's no real pictures of me anyway. Like if you swipe, there might be a picture of me with somebody, you know, a few pictures in on a post. But for the most part, it's all just flyers of guests that I had on that I created. So that really wouldn't help me doing a video selfie. So I wrote them. I don't know how many times so many people like blocked the page because I told them to and reported it and reported it and reported it. But it's still up. And I'm waiting on something. That's why I made another page, which is, it's basically the same. Instead of it just being at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace, it's at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast is the new one. So I have no control over the other one. But if something happens and I wind up getting the old one back, I'll delete the newer one so there's no more confusion. 
And I'll just let everybody know, listen, it's really me back on the original account, but I'm not counting on that. Modern day problems, man. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. It sounds, I can't even believe I'm saying all of this because I was just talking about thank you lists and all that. I'm talking about followers and hacking. It's ridiculous at the end of the day, you know. But I always said, listen, if five people listen or, or, or 25,000 listen, it doesn't make a difference to me because I have a regular job and I literally just do this for fun. You know, I cool. do. Yeah, that's it, man. But you do have a clothing line called True Till Death. Yeah, you know, I, I was going pretty strong up, up until the uh, pandemic. And then, you know, the printing company that we used shut down. They, used to, they did the printing and the delivering. You know, so they would get all the orders would go directly to them. They would print the shirts and then they would send them out. And they just stopped doing T-shirts during the pandemic. So I haven't really done it. Um, now I just, you know, I've, I've still done the Instagram and I'll, I'll just post straight edge stuff. Yeah. And I wanted, it's, I, it's Instagram. It's true till death, straight edge spelled out. Yeah. True till death, straight edge. And it's got two L's until. So T R U E T I L L death, straight right. edge. And, uh, but I want it, but that's, it's, it's one of my, uh, new year's resolutions that this year to start doing the merch again for, for truth of death. So there you go. Another thing that I gotta, that I gotta work on. There you go. Well, if you have issues with your printing people, new Republic printing, he's awesome. Been using 15 years. Just saying. Um, do they, no, do they it's do only they, a suggestion. Do they do order fulfillment too? What do you mean? Like my company would not only print a shirt, they would mail them for me too. No, they're not doing that. You're mailing them yourself or you're going to get somebody to mail them for you. They're not doing that. They're going to send you a box with awesome quality, quality prints and they're going to mail you. And then what you do with it is on you, but they're awesome. Just saying. They They should get into the order fulfillment game too. Maybe awesome. <laughs> Steve, Steve, you hear this? Put it in the suggestion box. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I don't know. But um, yeah, I've been using them forever. So I, I always recommend them. If you use them, that's cool. If not, that's cool too. But yeah, um, like I said, I don't make money off of these people either. But I'm just saying. Yeah, and, and it's cool because it's something that, you know, it's really kind of close to my heart, straight edge, promoting a, you know, drug-free, sure. alcohol-free lifestyle. Sure. So it's a win-win, man. I get to make yeah, shirts. Man. And, you know, it's more of just about promoting the idea. Yeah, um, I get it. Than, than it is, you know, trying to make it into some, you know, huge business or anything. Right. But uh, it, it, it's fun. And I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's one of the things that I do. So, you know, I like doing it. I like designing the T-shirts and, yeah. um, you know, doing the website and stuff like that. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, part of my skill set. So it's it's kind yeah. of, it's a fun way to you know, do design and promote something that I'm into. Yeah. Same here. Like I, I get super into, it's almost like therapy. It sounds so cheesy, but it's almost like therapy. I'll shut down everything. I'll mute my phone. I'll go into Photoshop and I'll, I'll, I'll create flyers. I get all into it. And it's just something that I'm into. Some flyers take me two hours. Some flyers take me eight hours but it doesn't matter because I enjoy it. People are like, Oh, that's so tedious. How could you do that? I enjoy it. It's, it's like my own me time. I don't know. It's therapeutic for me. I don't know. I'll go, but I'm like half crazy. Like I'll go, I'll have five hours into a flyer and then sit back and then look at it and be like, doesn't really look right. And I'll scrap the whole thing and start from scratch. 
because yeah, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like I'm a graphic. I'm a graphic designer. But the last thing that I worked on, I worked on this one girl said um, for her company, she's like, "We're gonna do this." It was for a yoga. It was for a yoga um, studio, and they're like, "We're gonna do this massive advanced training." This is going to be a really big thing. This is going to be the big thing we're going to push for the year. We're really excited about it. We need you to do a whole huge poster for the outside of the window. They have a huge window. And we need this thing to be incredible. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, my. oh, big poster, big main thing of the year. So I worked so hard on this poster. And then I sent it in. They're like, well, we don't really like it. Can you do it again? I'm like, oh, i kidding me. Yeah. And, I, and I scrapped the whole thing, went from scratch to the whole thing. And then I sent it and I'm like, please like it, please like it. And they're like, we love it. I was like, right. yeah, I know how it is, man. That's part of the biz. When you're, a, when you're a designer, you could work for days on something, Sure. submit it. And then they're like, we don't like it. Do it again. Oh yeah. It's like all that time is just wasted, but oh, all right, here we go. And I'll get into this next one. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. that's the name of the game. What are you going to do? It is, man. It absolutely is. So you, you have a new band that's coming out soon. Any time frame? We will probably be finished with the recording in like a month. Okay. Like and I'm sure you'll weeks. post it at the Hardcore Yogi on Instagram. Yeah, and then we're going to... Uh, then we're going to shop it around to some labels and things like that, and, you know, uh, and see what happens. I, I, I got a few ideas and, and some interest already, even though we haven't. Okay. No one's heard it. <laughs> Listen, but, uh, I'm, you I'm have a vision. You have a vision. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't done any new band in a, in a long time, so I'm, I'm really excited, and I think it's coming out really good. So um, I'm stoked on that. Nice. Very cool, man. Well, I look forward to hearing it. I look forward to buying it. I'm looking forward for the T-shirt. And uh, yeah, man, I absolutely 100% support it. Hands down. All right, cool. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude, listen, thank you so much for your time. This was, this. I can't believe, we're going an hour and, well, I don't know, we were talking for a few, maybe like an hour and a half, easily. Damn, dude, that seemed like 15 minutes. Right? That's what happens <laughs> when you start talking. And you're, I'm not even like, I just look now. I'm like, it says an hour and 46 and change, but we were talking for a few minutes beforehand. But yeah, somewhere around there. But I will ask you, um, the, the big, I need you to pick whatever band you want, two songs, one to put in the front of the, on YouTube, this goes up just raw, how it is. However, we started, it just goes up raw. The audio version, which is everywhere, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that, iHeartMute, iHeartRadio. I want to, I want you to pick a song for the beginning and the end that I'm going to tack on to the audio version of this episode. Damn. I know. It's like picking a child. I understand. All right. For the, for the beginning. I got to write it down because I don't want to forget. For the beginning, put on Take Me Away by Judge because uh, that's one of my favorite intros I ever wrote. Yeah. So, so good. So good. Uh, at the end, let's see. How about the end? Put uh, "Disengaged" by Youth of Today. Awesome, because that was like the last song that we wrote, and it was sort of like the end of the era for Youth Today. So we'll tack that one on the end. I love that song too. I do too. That seven inch is great. Love it. Love all of it, man. And I'm not just I'm not just saying that. Like people that know me know that about me. So, dude, 
once again, thank you so much for your time. Everybody follow at the Hardcore Yogi and uh, True Till That Straight Edge. Anything else you want to throw out there for the kids at home? Youth uh, of Today is going on tour in the summer in Europe. So if awesome. you're hearing this in Europe, we're going to be there. We're going all over Europe this summer in, uh, in, at the end of June and beginning of July. Awesome. Looking, looking forward to that. Absolutely, man. And the only thing I ask everybody is follow the new page on Instagram at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. The link in the bio, you click it and it will open up a link tree. And that's everywhere where you can find the podcast across all social media and podcast platforms. That's all I ask. Awesome, brother. Great talking or, with you, man. Or Sally, likewise, man. Appreciate it. Stay in touch. And I'm going to, I'll let you know exactly when this is going to drop. It's going to be in a couple of weeks. I always have a couple in queue beforehand in case something happens and I can't get to an episode or someone cancels. I always have a couple in queue, but I will absolutely let you know when this is going to come out. It's going to be in a couple of weeks, but you'll be well aware. All right. Cool, man. John, thank you so much, brother. All right, bro. Be safe. Later. You too. Later. Crazy or not?